Hello, this is the Daily Tech, and today I'm sharing some more tech news with you. Uh, it's definitely quite good, and if you're listening to it, it is a thumbnail, at least must have been good in the title. So hopefully you do actually stay around to enjoy the whole of the episode. Anyway, so first, starting off, as you probably saw by title and thumbnail, uh, the new Razer gaming chair, laptop, and more revealed at RazerCon 2020. Uh, so this article is by GameSpot, so I mean, if you want to read it for yourself, I'll go to this. I mean, you're here to listen, so let's listen instead. Uh, so RazerCon 2020 is a day-long show featuring new looks at games, product reveals, and live-heavy uh, metal concerts. Viewers can expect to get looks at uh, Torchlight 3 and Empire of Sin, and if you're a metal fan, you'll be happy to hear that Dragon Force and uh, Sabaton will be close uh, out the show with live performances. Um... Also, uh, because of this article is partnering with FraserCon 2020 official media partner, uh, they have got exclusive stuff, which is why I'm reading this one. Uh, so they're taking new steps into different products, uh, so it's all going to be quite interesting. Uh, so the Razer uh, Isco gaming chair. So Razer has taken steps in new directions uh, this year, and its latest venture into the world of gaming chairs. Of course, I think they did a scooter, didn't they? They did other stuff, but this one's a gaming chair now, and I'm surprised they didn't have a gaming chair before, to be honest. I would have thought it was something they would have done, but I guess not. Uh, so Razer's first gaming chair, uh, the Yiska, uh, features a new type of uh, lumbar system that allows you to customise your support, uh, as opposed to built-in lumbar systems that push back the chair forward. That makes sense. Uh, the Razer Isca features an adjustable padded foam cushion that can be moved in and out, so very customisable and fitting to each individual person. Slightly expensive though, at 500 US dollars, but that, that's a minor issue. Uh, so Razer's new gaming chair is meant to offer an optimized experience for gaming, improving your posture and response time by setting you in a comfortable position and supporting the spine's natural posture. It is made of synthetic leather uh, that stitched to resemble snake scales, uh, fitting in with Razer's reptilian theme, and it comes with a memory foam head cushion as well, so nice and comfortable. Of course it is very expensive, but I mean, I guess it, didn't, you would expect it to be. So yeah, uh, it's a very nice chair though, it looks very good. Uh, you can see it definitely fits in with the Razer theme, I mean if you're going for an all Razer setup you'd have to have this now, wouldn't you? Well, all makes budget Razer setups, gone. Uh, yeah, so no, these are very, it's a very nice chair but very expensive at the same time. Not sure how many of these will actually sell or not, I mean... It really does depend on who's buying it, I guess. Right, okay, moving on to the next thing. Uh, these are only the main products, of course, um, like the more physical product kind of things, like the chair, obviously, the laptop they're about to look at now. Um, but of course, as they said, there are like, game pre-notes, but keynotes, but those aren't, I don't think those are important. It's still important, get me wrong, but I think this is just the more interesting part of it. So next up, Razer Blade Stealth 13 gaming laptops. Uh, so it's $1,800 US for the 120Hz model, and $2,000 US for the OLED and I see 120Hz model. So not too much, well it's quite a bit more for an OLED model, but still. So it is equipped with an 11th gen Intel processor, which I believe uh, is the i7. Yeah, I think it's the i7, but I can't be sure on that. It's either the i5 or i7, I do believe i7 though. But a GTX 1650 Ti, which I'm not actually sure how powerful that is, to be honest. Like, I mean, um, it's powerful, but 
compared to like, for a laptop for a computer at this price how good it actually is is quite interesting uh, so it's a laptop ready for everything from production work to hardcore gaming so maybe the 1650 because i'm thinking of 1650 and 1650 super but maybe the ti model of it is actually uh, really powerful it must be apart from it's not rtx it's a shame they couldn't get like even a 2060 and now a 2080 ti you would you would kind of want for that price but maybe not actually i mean if you're getting a 120 hertz laptop i don't know um this year razer is introducing two different models for its 13 inch laptop uh, so it features 120 hz 1080p matte display and both a second 1080p OLED touch screen display made entirely of Gorilla Glass. So it is very premium. Um, so it has 16GB of LPDDR4X RAM and 512GB SSD. Uh, it can be upgraded of course. Obviously half a terabyte isn't loads. Uh, so it's equipped with Razer Chroma RGB and customization to the software uh, synths uh, free. Uh, of course it has RGB because as everyone knows you cannot be a pro gamer or you cannot be a gamer without the RGB. That is a very known fact. Um, it's also introduced a THX Spatial Audio uh, software built in as well, providing great 3D audio uh, straight from the laptop. Uh, you won't really need external uh, speakers or headphones. I mean, you can still wear headphones, and I think that will be better. But um, having, but the speakers are fine. That's what I'm trying to say. Uh, so yeah, really um, nice laptop. Looks really nice. I mean, quite a nice gaming laptop. So if you, and for, even for like editing things like that, if you need a laptop. Uh, so, not too sure. It seems to be quite good. Can't really see the trackpad. I do base a lot of the trackpad a lot of the time. Looks quite good though. Uh, looks very premium. Uh, screen's obviously good. 120 hertz. Quite powerful. And with the 11th gen Intel processors, so all all in all, quite good, I'd say. Uh, moving on now, the Razer Siren Mini microphone. Uh, so Razer has a number of different streaming microphones, and its latest is a low-profile budget option that doesn't sacrifice on audio quality. Uh, so it's like, it's a really interesting looking microphone to be honest. Looks quite nice though. Uh, so it is just a USB one, uh, so plug and play. Kind of thing, plug and talk technically. Um, so it has a super cardioid polar pattern. It captures the audio of what's directly in front of it, which would be you, without picking up uh, unnecessary background noise. So the Siren Mini um, has been built to provide streamers with a simple option that doesn't get in the way of your stream. Obviously some microphones can be absolutely massive. And at $50 uh, with three different colours, black, pink and white, it's a really exciting budget option. Uh, so I was actually um, on the Razer site looking at this microphone before I began and they did a sound test. So there was this microphone, uh, it's obviously the Siren Mini microphone, uh, there was a microphone S, which they uh, said is similar price, which I'm going to take a guess at the blue snowball ice, to be honest. I think that's definitely what they're trying to uh, try and competitionize it. Like, it's definitely what they're aiming for. And then it showed a microphone Y, I believe, which they said was a more expensive option, which could be the blue Yeti Nano or blue Yeti. I assume blue, blue Yeti Nano. And to be fair, they all. I'm not too sure, I'm not the greatest of microphones, I mean I use the Blue Snowball Ice, 
But um, from what I could tell, it sounded really good. Very similarly sounding to the other two microphones. So as far as I can tell, it's a very good microphone from the audio they provided. But obviously, we'll have to wait until other people can get their hands on this microphone. And then we'll be able to see how good it is in real world situations. Uh, next up, Razer Tomahawk PC gaming cases. So, $180 US for ITX and $200 for ATX. And it is a very nice looking case with RGB built in, I do believe, from what I can see. So, while you may have seen Razer's branding on PC cases before, uh, the Tomahawk is the first gaming chassis Razer has developed on its own. Uh, so, not other brands kind of thing. So, it does come in two sizes the standard mid tower ATX case and the quite a bit smaller mini ITX form factor. Uh, so they both feature a tempered glass side panel, at which, which you should expect at this price. Um, and they have easy access to the entire inside of your gaming PC. Also it has unique RGB lighting that can be controlled and customised inside of their um, desktop app. And I mean not too much said about that, it looks like the RGB is under the case, which is really nice actually, and it's a very minimalistic case. Quite expensive obviously, but I mean... It seems to all be apart from that microphone. Uh, obviously, it looks very nice uh, from this image that I'm looking at here. Uh, I definitely like the ATX one. Mini ATX, I'm not sure. I'm not a massive fan of Mini ATX, to be honest. But, looks quite good, to be honest. Like, yeah, it looks very nice. I mean, the Razer logo um, in the center of the front panel, very nice. Not too much to say there. And finally, for the last thing that they mentioned here, uh, Razer Kraken BT Kitty Edition. Uh, so this is a very interesting looking headset. So it's a Razer Kraken. Uh, it's a new headset with a unique cat ear design, and it's gone wireless. It features Bluetooth 5.0 connectivity, uh, which at 100 US dollars you would expect. Has a built-in microphone, nothing that sticks out. Uh, how good the quality is on that, uh, I'm not too sure. Again, when people get these hands on these, there will be sound tests, I assume. And an impressive 50 hours of battery life. It does have Chroma RGB uh, add-ons on the ear cushions and kitty ears. And they react to different types of apps and notifications. And you can use the Razer Audio app on the mobile device to customise this RGB lighting, which is really nice. Lots of customization with all that RGB lighting, it seems. Uh, yeah, it's a very interesting looking headset. Um, obviously with cat ears, I mean it's going to. So an all kind of pink design, great ear cups and like foam on the inside. Uh, fabric even probably. And grey uh, head cushion. And of course pink on the outside, I do believe that's metal but it could be plastic. RGB obviously, as again, as I have said multiple times today. Um, RGB is how you become pro. And yeah, it's a very interesting looking headset. How... Um, how it compares to the other Razer Krakens, I'm not too sure, I don't really look at them, but I assume it's quite good. To be fair, they probably did do a sound test on their website, but I didn't look at these to be honest, so, yeah. Oh yeah, so, um, very interesting. So, I guess we move on to the next one. Uh, now some more Apple news. Uh, this one isn't so good. Uh, so, Apple's new 5G iPhone may see coverage issues in the UK. Uh, this is by Reuters. So, um, it's very short here, but it's still uh, quite important. So, obviously, 5G, new standard. Apple are going to be adopting it. 
and it's been around for about a year like properly properly where you can actually use it it's like common but um of course apple will be taking this in their new iphone so their new 5g iphone may see coverage issues in the united kingdom uh, this is what the telegraph newspaper reported uh, this was late on saturday uh, citing industry insiders uh, so the iphone which is uh, apple which Apple is due to launch on Tuesday, so two days from now, may not connect to the 700 megahertz 5G band. Uh, this is what the Telegraph reported, and of course Reuters is um, kind of redoing it. Uh, so lower spectrum bands such as 700 megahertz are used to extend the coverage of phone networks, allowing signals to reach more remote areas and extend far beyond antennas. Uh, so hopefully they'll be able to sort it out where it will work, or there should be some way. But I mean, if you can't sort it out then you can't really advertise 5g well, they're going to but you can't really it's going to be a bit weird i mean it'll still be used but i mean if it's not everywhere it does depend i assume it will more be not in remote locations more like in bigger areas but i mean this is what i assume i don't really know about these bandwidths too much i don't really look into it that much but it's still it has to as long as it's got decent coverage i don't think many people will mind but I mean, I can imagine as long as it gets better over time, I don't think it should be too much of an issue. But still. Uh, next up, the Huawei Mate 40 will be unveiled on October the 22nd. Uh, so, we've got some big phone new, uh, phone launches coming up this month, including of course the iPhone 12 and the OnePlus 8T. And of course the Huawei Mate 40 and Mate 40 Pro are going to be added onto that list. Uh, and Huawei have just announced a launch event for October the 22nd. Uh, so this was a tweet from the official Huawei mobile account, and we're told unprecedented power is coming, and that event is going to be uh, getting underway at 2pm Central European Summer Time, uh, that's 5am PT and 8pm ET, and 1pm BST and 10pm AEST. Uh, so that was suggested performance of the Mate 40 is going to be one of the key features highlighted, as you would expect if they're going to be saying this in their tweet. Uh, so 22nd isn't too far away to be honest, like if, I don't know what the date is today, it's like the 11th, so um, yeah, 11 days, so not too long to wait. Uh, so probably usually uh, debuts new chips with the Mate phones, and the talk that Mate 40 will be the first handset with the Kirkin 1000 processor inside. It could be the last phone as well with the current processor inside as well. The rumors that Huawei's ongoing problems with the US and companies operating from it, uh, they'll have to source chipsets from elsewhere or build their own. Or no, instead of building their own. Uh, so there have been relatively few leaks about the Mate 40 series so far. Uh, the release date, one of the small number of information tidbits we've had in advance. And of course the leak has turned out to be accurate. Uh, what we do know is that the Mate 40 phones uh, will be following on from uh, the last year's Huawei Mate 30 and Mate 30 Pro uh, that we did see last year. Uh, so phones are impressed in many areas, uh, but were held back by not being able to run, of course, the official Google apps. Uh, with Huawei still unable to do business with uh, US companies like Google, uh, it's a case of hardware being let down by the software at the moment. But hopefully, it's a similar story to P40 as well. But hopefully eventually they'll be able to sort something out and the phones become more popular again. Uh, so of course many people are excited to see what they got in store with the new Mate phone. And of course new camera upgrades, performance boost and hopefully they sort out something through a software. Or they've managed to do something.
Yeah, because, I mean, being blocked from Google Apps is a massive issue, especially when that's what you were based using. Uh, so, hopefully did you find something that's very reliable, good and reliable. And, um, obviously then their phones will get more popular once they're going to be reliable. But right now it's just not really reliable, and I wouldn't recommend getting one, to be honest. But it really does depend on how you feel about them. Uh, some Google news next up. Uh, so this is by Mail Online. Previous one was by Tech Radar because I always forget to say who they're by and I really should be. Uh, so Mail Online. Uh, so how do I turn this video? There we go. So um, review. So Google is handing anyone's personal information to police if they happen to search for keywords related to an investigation. So unsealed court documents reveal that Google has provided police with information on users simply based on their keyword searches. Uh, an action which some say could be a violation of US civil rights. So according to a CNET report uh, published on Saturday as well, well there's some other articles, there seems to be a lot of things published on Saturday, uh, officers uh, have asked the tech giant to hand over IP addresses of everyone who looked up words relevant to their particular investigations. So ordinary police would have uh, honed in on an individual suspect for giving Google a warrant that orders them to provide person's search history. Uh, but keyword warrants uh, subvert such a practice. Uh, so earlier this year, police in Florida, um, yeah, so they do use this effectively. So CNET reports uh, that investigators sent a search warrant to Google that requested information on users who had searched the address of the residents close to the time of, of course, the things that happened. Uh, so Google subs subsequently so provide the IP addresses people who searched for the victim's address. And um, eventually it led to the police to arrest a suspect. Uh, but while uh, police might cite that particular case as evidence uh, that keyboard warrants are effective, uh, others are concerned that innocent people will be caught up in the crossfire, which is possible. Um, so this keyword warrant evades the Fourth Amendment checks on police surveillance. Uh, Albert Fox Khan, the uh, Executive uh, Director of Surveillance Technology Oversight uh, Project, told CNET. Uh, so when a court authorizes a data dump of every person who searched for a specific town of address, it's likely uh, unconstitutional. So... Um, Obviously, if they're watching, well, not watching, if they look up everything you search, there's some privacy issues in that, and not everyone will be happier with it, even if it is technically getting used for uh, good. Uh, so, instead, of the instead, the company released a statement saying they tried to balance user privacy with obligations to police under the law. Uh, so, interesting there. So, yeah, it's just interesting. I mean... It doesn't surprise me this happened, but well, this is happening. But I mean, there is privacy concerns. But I mean, if it's getting used for a good thing, then it's very much a uh, moral debate at this one because it definitely uh, depends. Because I mean, if you, it's good and bad. I mean, if it's helping, then it's good, of course. But privacy issues, you're still looking at what people are searching, which people do think are private, even though they're not. So. Definitely a uh, moral debate on that one. Uh, next one by Mail Online as well. 
Uh, so Google introduces new feature for deaf users that notifies them about fire alarms and dogs barking by vibrating their smartphones or flashing the camera light. So Google has introduced a new feature for uh, Android that notifies deaf users if there's water running, a dog barking or a fire alarm going off. So users can be notified about critical sounds through a push notifications, vibrations on their phone or a flash from their camera light. Uh, so how a normal notification would go through. Uh, so when Google said that sound notifications are designed for the estimated 466 million people in the world uh, with hearing loss, it can also help people wearing headphones or otherwise distracted as well. Uh, so if you're kind of like not paying attention. So um, see from an image here, you can tell you like when a smoke alarm went off it. Uh, and it does show you over time when things happened. As a develop with machine learning sound, that notification uses your phone's microphone, obviously it needs to hear somehow, to recognize 10 different noises, including baby noises, shouting, water running, smoke and fire alarm, sirens, appliances beeping, door knocking and a landline phone ringing. So Google introduced two new accessibility options, sound amplifier live, transcribe, which turns speech into text in real time and alert you when your name is spoken aloud. Uh, this was last year and of course with more options for deaf users it's really good uh, making the phone more accessible and uh, easier to use for more people well not even the phone making the environment more easier to you know, get around in uh, so in addition to android phones it also operates in google's Wear OS smartwatches uh, as well which is really nice so you can continue to get alerts about what's happening uh, things like that, which will actually help some people uh, really well. Uh, this follows heels on Apple's similar uh, sound detection feature, which was an added iOS 14 feature a few months ago. Uh, so, of course, taking advice of that, normally I'll call this copying uh, other people, but I mean, this is good anyway. Uh, so, Apple's version can identify a few more sounds, including car horns and cats meowing. So, it can still get better for both parties. Uh, last month, Google-owned YouTube removed uh, crowdsourced captioning on its videos, uh, outraging more than half a million people who signed a change.org petition to reinstate this feature. Uh, the feature was taken down one day after uh, the end of International Deaf Week. Uh, so, it is interesting why they would do that. There could be reasons, I mean, uh, what did it, what one did they remove? Crowdsource captioning though, why would you take away that? I can understand if you maybe take away the auto-captioning, which still wouldn't be great, but I mean, taking away the crowdsource one, I mean, the everyone kind of knows about the, um, I mean, the auto one isn't always the greatest, but most of the time it's actually fine, I've found. Uh, but I mean, when it's, um... When you're taking away the ones that's actually been being used for people, and people do use it, people use it to watch things. You've taken away a feature that people use. I mean, I'm not sure if it's still on there. I can probably have a look. Right, I'm gonna pause and tell you if it's being put back. I don't think it has, but I'll have a look. Okay, well I would if um my thing would pause my hotkeys sometimes stop working right let's have a look uh, i'm just doing this on my phone just so don't show anything because opening new tabs can 
be annoying. Right, um, YouTube. I'm not sure if this may be just the mobile one or not, because not or the other way around, desktop, things like that, does it say? Um, it doesn't say, it doesn't say it was added battery, it's just loaded for video that would definitely have crowdsourced ones, probably this one. Have a look. Uh, oh, I'm getting hard, aren't I? Well, that's fun. We'll give it a second. Um, so, let's have a look. Captions. Yeah, well, this one, there's only auto-generated one. Um, let's just search on, like, English. Uh, caption. Uh, video. Let's have a look. Yeah, so this one. Unless because it's not crowdsourced, it would be on there. No, only auto-generated. Yeah, so, still a remove feature. I mean, that's really bad. I mean, not sure about the translations or not, if those have been taken away or not. I mean, there's a YouTuber that I watched it. It's a different language to me, so I do use those. But I don't think they've taken away that, as far as I can tell. Um, yeah, so definitely not really taking away that. But at least auto-generated is still there, I guess. Next up, uh, this is some Sony news. So Sony's unifying all accounts with single uh, PSN login. Uh, so Sony's unifying uh, all of its accounts, uh, unifying even. I uh, mean that you'll only need a PlayStation Network login moving forward. Uh, so the long overdue change will see PlayStation services such as PlayStation Store and PlayStation Now uh, fused with Sony Mobile, Sony Electronics, and Sony Rewards. All you need to do is log into any of the company services with your existing uh, PSN information and accept terms and conditions to create an account. So, for example, if you already have a Sony Rewards account that's linked to the PlayStation Network uh, for a different email address, you simply need to follow the steps and log in again with your PSN credentials. Uh, just to then become your primary means to access the website moving forward. Less logging is much better. I mean, I guess it's easier than for uh, it to get all of them to get maybe logged into. Uh, like from someone who shouldn't be, but I really think that's not too much of an issue with most people. Uh, this feels like it's a wider infrastructural overhaul from the Japanese giant, uh, which will uh, basically put together everything uh, to a new browser-based place to install later this month. Uh, so Sony's looking to streamline the experience for its members, as they would, uh, for a solid step in the right direction, assuming you can pull off transitions without any hiccups, which is probably going to happen, let's be honest. These things happen as hard as you try. Uh, these tech companies always seem to do something that messes it up. Um, yeah, so... Good that they're combining all the accounts, I guess. I mean, it's really good because, I mean, if you're going to have loads of... If you've got to have maybe, like, three, four different accounts, right... Yeah, it's better to have one, it's easier to remember, uh, stuff like that. Uh, so Microsoft News, uh, so if you're still one of the millions still using Windows 7, which I've fairly got a few million schools, uh, Microsoft has a troubling warning for you, which is troubling to say the least. Uh, this previous, uh, The previous article was by, uh, by Push Square, and this one is by Express. Uh, so... Windows 7 is the second most popular operating system in the world, with Microsoft struggling to convince software's uh, massive user base to drop the aging OS in 2020, despite pulling support for it, which they probably should stop doing, I guess, if it's security updates, and I'm not sure, it's a bit of a 
interesting one. So Windows 7 launched back in 2009, so it's definitely an aged operating system. I mean, you can, yeah, I'm not sure why people would still be using it. I guess the majority would be people already using them and just people who don't, they can do all the stuff on Windows 7. And Windows 7 isn't awful, to be honest. I mean, if you can get Windows 10, Windows 10 is better kind of thing. Uh, so in the run-up to this, uh, Redmond-based tech giant warned uh, that not updating to Windows 10 would mean machines running Windows 7 may become more vulnerable to security risks, which obviously with aging operating systems, people have had more time to work on um, viruses and security uh, things that you can do to it. Uh, that's because following that cough date, Microsoft is no longer pushing out security patches to Windows 7, uh, so it's going to be quite it's going to be quite a bit easier. Uh, so, but despite this stark warning, it seems the number of people dropping Windows 7 uh, for 10 has been uh, put to a grind to a halt this year. Uh, so, as reported by Windows Latest, uh, data from NetMarketShare suggests that the number of people upgrading to Windows 7 to Windows 10 is slowing down. So, in January 2020, Windows 7 had 25.56% of the size of the desktop operating system marketplace, which a quarter is quite a lot. I mean, when you've got things like Mac OS out there, you've got things like Windows, the other Windows, 8.1, 10, 8, XP, Vista, I mean, whoever uses that, those, but, I mean, it's definitely quite a lot. I guess it's probably just the time Windows 7 stayed around and it was just the easiest one, I'm not sure. So at the moment, Windows 7 still holds a considerable 22.71% uh, uh, now, which is only a 3% drop, which isn't... I mean, it's quite bad actually because they want people on Windows 10, but I mean... Interesting. Uh, so Windows 7 recently saw its share of the desktop operating system market increase. So in September, Windows 7 desktop market share increased to 22.71% for its 22.31%, which is a decent amount of an increase. So Windows 8.1 also saw market share increase from the same period from 2.69% to 2.99%, which again, just the amount of computers, out there and the amount of people with computers, that's quite a lot. Uh, so the slowdown in numbers of people upgrading to Windows 10 along with a huge number of PC fans using outdated software poses a big problem to Microsoft. Uh, they face a conundrum of in what they could do to convince Windows 7 users to upgrade to Windows 10. And there's lots of things they could do. So one issue holding people back might be the cost of purchasing Windows 10. Uh, a free upgrade program that was running no longer available. But the cost of forking up for Windows 10 far outweighs the risks associated uh, of running Windows 7 according to ESET's Jake Moore. Uh, but I mean also you can get cheaper keys. How reliable they are is uh, up to you, and it's a thing of you want to do. You can't, um, I'm not going to say you should do it, I'm not going to say you shouldn't, I'm just going to say that. Uh, so the antivirus uh, firm Cyber Specialist uh, told Express.co.uk, which is the article I'm reading off, uh, so putting off upgrading to the latest operating system can put you in a very vulnerable position, as you will effectively raise a red flag to hackers who could potentially attack your device with, easy, with ease remotely. It is always safest to use the latest, most up-to-date operating system and will compact with the latest security patches which keep threats actors at bay. Uh, so those sitting on the fence uh, should consider potential cost of losing their personal files such as family photos and videos. So A, always get a backup of them anyway, I mean that's just a good thing. Maybe multiple USB sticks or an external SSD or hard drive. But I mean, just upgrade to Windows 10 as well, that's probably a good option. But I mean, I would still put everything on an external drive as well.
Uh, so Microsoft also has an official web page that provides advice on support for those thinking of moving from Windows 7 to 10. Uh, so it says as of January 14th, uh, 2020, your computer running Windows 7 will still function and Microsoft will no longer provide the following. Uh, so technical support for any issues, software updates, security updates or fixes. I think the technical uh, support is probably one of the worst uh, that they could take away. But I mean, it has to happen eventually. And I mean, for an 11 year old operating system, I mean, surprised it only happened then. But yeah, so quite interesting there. Um, I surprised the amount of people using Windows 7 to provide. It didn't surprise me as much as it was a lot, but I didn't think it was that much, to be honest. I mean, I always knew it was quite popular. And I mean, it's not even a bad operating system. It might look a bit outdated, but it runs fine for most things. I mean, for just general work use web browsing, it's probably actually a better option, to be honest, apart from the security issues, obviously. But I mean, apart from that, it's probably a decent option. I mean, I assume it uses less power than Windows 10, obviously, because I had to run on the older systems. So, interesting, to be honest. I mean, if anyone's actually watching, then um, comment down below. Uh, do you think Windows 7 is still an alright operating system to use, and would you use it uh, for just general web browsing? Alright, finally, uh, this article is by Tom's Hardware. Uh, so, AMD RX 6000 series GPUs to support the AV1 codec. Uh, so, AV1 is 50% more efficient than H.264, uh, which obviously a decent bit more efficiency. Uh, so, obviously, the new AMD uh, Radeon cards are the new uh, ones that should be coming out quite soon. And obviously, uh, all these new like, things obviously are worth talking about. Uh, so, Microsoft confirmed that the new Radeon RX 6000 series GPUs uh, from AMD would support the all-new AV1 codec designed from Aliens for Open Media at AOM. Uh, so, this marks a point where all three graphics manufacturers, AMD, Nvidia, and Intel, support the encoder, and this should accelerate its popularity and support, and seemingly indicates that the rival H.266 spec isn't receiving as much of an update, uptake. However, whether AMD's integrated graphics in its desktops and mobile APs will get AV1 encode and decode capabilities remains to be seen. Eventually they will, but I'm not too sure. I mean, I'm just I'm just sat here talking. I have no clue. So regarding the encoder, AV1 is 50% more efficient than H.264 and 20% better than uh, VP9, which means AV1 video sizes are cut in half compared to H.264, which is quite a lot. Uh, I mean, especially if you've got like a massive, maybe 40 gigabyte file, 20 gigabytes is much smaller, especially when you're doing a decent bit of that. Uh, so this is great news for people who continue to shift away from smaller resolutions like 1080p and upgrade to 4K, even 4K 60fps, which is obviously um, quite a bit more storage. So obviously you want to get less storage. So if you have an AV1 supported GPU, you can check out uh, videos running on AV1 already with YouTube. All you need to do is select a video, uh, right click on the video and select stats for NERS uh, to check whether YouTube is running AV1 or not. Uh, so I assume that's also good for data as well, data usage and Wi-Fi usage. Uh, not too much on this last one, but it's still quite important to talk about and it's quite um, good to hear because it's good to see that we're getting better um, codecs and stuff like that. And it's coming to all the new GPUs, which is nice.